from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. You're listening to live from the path. We're coming from the Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. <laughs> Is Booba crying? <laughs> He's starting a logging company. Is <laughs> what I heard. He's covering his feet. <laughs> I heard he's starting a lot. We've been doing this show for over 10 years, and we still have intros where you have to mute all of us because we're sitting here having completely irrelevant conversations as you're trying to actually start a show. Yeah, that sounds right. Here's here's what we're going on the show tonight. Uh, Mike, what are you talking about? We're going to talk about Mike uh, covering his feet. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. It's Mike's uh, introduction to Hebrew with Grandpa Mike. Okay, okay, we're going to hear that. Bruce! I hated that. Would you feel better if I said Pappy Mike? Nope. Just maybe Mike. No, I would. <laughs> I definitely feel that. Okay. I like uh, pop pop Mike. Yeah. It's a couple stories that I wanted to hit. Uh, number one from the Christian Post it says skeptics demand proof after megachurch pastor claims prayer regrew woman's amputated toes. And also. Uh, I think that's fair. Isn't it? Isn't Jesus it? always provided proof. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, five ways to distinguish between God's voice and Satan's voice Ugh. from the old beliefnet.com. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> I can't wait. And yeah. then uh, we got some advice on uh, Dear Life from the Past. And Dan's got uh, Pope style. Yeah, I, I was going to set it up, and it was going to be like you wouldn't even know what happened. Now you just you just gave it away. Now, okay. That's right. Sorry. You really okay. covered your feet there. My, it's gone. It's, it's gone. Yeah. And Dan has Pope style. Go ahead, Dan. We always say that. <laughs> like then always. You, then you make if, up some weird If tale. you were the Pope, what would you say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just imagine people are on your lawn, okay? <laughs> okay. We're going to start off with, uh, we're going to see this uh, five ways to distinguish between God's voice and Satan's voice. Has this been a problem? Just to kick this off, is this something that you feel like, have you ever, have you ever felt like you were being... Demonically misled, spoken to by Satan. <laughs> okay, now hold on. Like before the comedy ensues. Yeah. Like it, here's the thing: is like uh, Satan's very good at using things like God that yep. like God would use, and then just putting a little twist in it, right? Yeah. So it doesn't. Yeah. So it doesn't end up glorifying God in any way or actually helping you at all. Yep. But it is full of virtuous sounding things. Yeah, I'd go with that. Okay. Okay. Has like do you? Does anybody have the belief? Or that 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 this has happened to you that you would look back and go, hey man, I think I think I was hearing either I, I, not hearing Satan's voice. I think that might be pushing it, but like that you felt like you were being um, negatively spiritually influenced in some way or another. I had a professor at Bible college one time, and I forget what verse we were talking about. I forget what class it was in. I do remember that he was talking about spiritual warfare in, in some form or another. And he his example that he gave uh, was... <laughs> his example was that the uh, they're, they're, it's maybe more subtle than what we would uh, assume okay. naturally. And so his example was, when it's 2 a.m. and uh, you get a hankering for a bologna sandwich, you head down to that fridge... Maybe that's the, the, the devil talking to you, because you're already a fatso. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said. 
Okay. You, you're already a big boy. Hey, here's the thing. This is why people don't take spiritual warfare seriously. <laughs> and is that the qualifications you need to be a Bible teacher at the college anymore? <laughs> Satan's tempted me from a third bologna sandwich. Here's yeah, what I'll tell you right now. What he said. Well, he was he was talking about you know. Uh, I think after that he followed up with something like, you know, how he used to be a, a much girthier fella and had a heart attack at one point, and like, uh, you know, if he would have just kept down the bologna sandwich road uh, and had another heart, he kind of cleaned up his lifestyle after that, you know, so that he could keep preaching and teaching for, for many moons to come. So oh, I, I think boy. that does drive to um, one of the common things that I, I, I think we run into where uh, I, because you are a sinful man on <laughs> right. your own accord, I'm I'm not sure that it always means that the that the Satan or his dominions are after you. Now, the, yeah. obviously, uh, you're getting a lineage of uh, evil influence into the world that otherwise is driving you or off, offering the opportunity of temptations. I just the most of the time I heard somebody go, I think Satan's really on me today. Was someone was being a real pansy cloth that week. And needed to make an excuse for it instead of going, hey, I should have handled myself better or like I should have taken steps to protect myself. It's act like they're actively being pressed as opposed to being a wiener. Yeah, I like I've always thought about it this way is like uh Satan Satan and demonic forces, like there's a finite number of them. They're not infinite, right? And they can't they're not omniscient or like omnipresent, right? Like like Yahweh is. So like in the spiritual warfare game, it's much easier for them to like, like get you started on a road and just let you spin it on your own. Well, right? James says the evil within you is is where temptation, you know, comes out of. You know, yes, that, that's that's always been my 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 struggle. I shouldn't say always. Many times I have wondered what voice I'm hearing. Is it my pride or is it God saying to go in a different direction? And, and yes. that that's where I usually have to take some time to pause and, and say, okay, what what voice am I listening to? Is it me and, and is that – or is that – Yep. You know? Yeah, and the likely – I mean, would it be unfair to say that the likelihood is, is, is more likely that like the, the opposing to what Yahweh is leading to you or what Jesus has going in your life is the already broken, not necessarily an added spiritual force? Like mm-hmm. I would say that is that does happen – but I'm, I, I would say sure. it's it's less likely that like the car accident a block of you was not Satan going. I'm really going to frustrate your day by making you eight right. minutes late to work. Ah, ha ha ha. Well, right? which you could have combated by getting up 15 minutes earlier. The great Satan like has thwarted you like with something s- silly. Well, yeah. right. It's a temptation. So, like, um, I, I think it's right to believe that oftentimes it's manipulating something that you are otherwise prone to. Because, like, let's say uh, the Satan r- whispered in my ear, you should kill Nathaniel. I'm not inclined to want to kill Nathaniel. And so I would just hear if such a thing popped in my head, I would go, no, I don't I don't know why I'm thinking that. But if I otherwise had been plotting it and had a, a, an evil desire in my heart to otherwise grab Nathaniel, put a bag over his head, and go behind the church until he suffocated and died, yeah. if someone whispered such it's a thing, graphic. I would think— I mean, You have a plan. I would think, I was thinking about that, actually, <laughs> and now I'm well on the way, and now I got the encouragement I need. That's documented now, just a heads up, like, just so we all know. <laughs> Hey, red herring, man. I'm going to kill him at the come and go. <laughs> Great use of a red herring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel super safe. <laughs> anyway, we're going to go. You want to get some hot chocolates at the come and go? <laughs> All right. Number one. Why, why do you have that buffalo knife? <laughs>
As followers of Christ, we know how important it is to have a close relationship with God and listen to what he is calling us to do. Yet, there will be times and circumstances that will move us away from God. There will also be moments when Satan's voice will overpower God's voice in our lives. I don't know about that. When these moments show up, we should avidly seek God, but it's sometimes hard to tell what voice is speaking to us. As simple as it is to call on God, sometimes we have a hard time distinguishing between God's voice and the voice of the enemy. If we want to have a solid relationship with God and walk boldly as believers, we have to know what voice is speaking to us. Here are five ways to distinguish between God's voice and Satan's voice. Ready, number one. Hold on. What's the, what, what verse comes to your number mind one. after just that opener? My sheep will hear my voice. Yes. I'm the good shepherd. My yes. sheep will hear my voice. Okay, yeah. continue on. <laughs> okay. Uh, it causes panic, not calm. I mean, what? I, here's the th- no, I no, I don't think that's good advice at all. <laughs> Moses was panicked. Yeah, I was gonna say, right. that's terrible. I feel like God has dropped them, some things on me where I'm like, uh, no, no, I don't want to do that. This scares me to death. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah, I don't know about this first bit of advice. God does not call like call you to be calm in your circumstances. And here's the thing: it's like that, for calm's sake, like. There, there's been time. He does this. He brings me out of my comfort zone all the time. Yeah. He stretches me in ways to know him better and be closer to him. And sometimes he stretches and pulls in a way that I'm like, this does cause me a little bit of worry, right? A little bit of anxiety. Yeah, I'm like, my earthly stuff is going to clash with this. God, you know this. This is making me nervous. Yeah. He's yeah, calling you time. to say he is your peace. Yes. You find your peace exactly. in him, not in your circumstances. I'm picturing Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and, and sweating blood. He's right. like, no, I'm, I'm good. Right. I mean, yeah, that was not a lot of, I mean, yeah, it was a... Yeah. Right. And Bible's actually, full of stories like that. <laughs> actually, interesting on the temptation of Jesus, it would have been easier for Jesus to say, yes, I accept the kingdoms of the world. Like, that That would be calm. The anxiousness is to, is a, is to battle and tussle with Satan and reject it, knowing that uh, human suffering and death was on the other end of that. So, I, yeah. His, the quote here says, uh, we know from Scripture that our God is a God of peace. Second Thessalonians 3.16 says, now may the Lord of peace give himself, uh, give you peace at all times in every way. And Psalm 29, 11 says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Now, I will tell you that oftentimes God mechanisms of which he pursues and makes peace in this world causes a uh, slight heart attack in the hearts of his followers for having to go do the thing that yeah. God will use to, to seek peace. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay. I'm not... Uh, so far, this sounds like an article that might have been written by <laughs> Satan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So just to clear up that that first point, we're not saying that God is not a God of peace. We think he definitely right. is. And like I'm not, like our initial reaction is to bring our already broken into it and then hand it back over and then let God provide right. peace as we go through his things. Yeah, the fruit, fruit of the spirit, one of them is fruit uh, is peace. Yes. But there is a tension in in doing kingdom work that puts you right thrust in, in the into the middle of the battle of of, of the spiritual right. you know that, to to be fair though like uh it's this is the sheep know my voice thing right yeah. like so like you you recognize when god is talking so i like i have used peace as a bellwether to know whether god is in a thing or not like when i've been praying about a thing and and and, and like consistently going god this is not I feel no peace about this, so I'm going to try this other thing. And when I did the other thing, I felt peace about it. And so, like, continually asking God, like, I, I need you to bring me peace when when this is you. You know, like, I found that to be true. I, I, God does interact that way with me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number two. It goes, uh, this is ways in which you know that uh, it's Satan talking and not God. Two, it goes against God's word. A telltale sign that you're listening to Satan's voice and not God's voice is if it contradicts God's word. Satan will tell you that it's okay to sin and that the sin you're committing won't damage the people around you. This couldn't be further from the truth. We are called to obey God's commandments. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. the voice you're hearing is leading you to sin go, and goes against God's word, it isn't of God. I was going to say, is that really a, a, a point of contention for anybody that they feel like... And I don't think Satan's that dumb, right? Like, I, I've never seen, like, that presented to me or anybody I know, right, in that black and white, right? He's not like, uh, it's okay to sin. Like, he tenderly, generally just tries to minimize it, right? It's right. it's not that bad. Like, I realize it's not 100% of what God is asking, but... Think about it this way, or think about all the good it could yeah. do, or the temporary this it could do, right? Like it's 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 always a little bit more conniving than that. Even with like with Adam and Eve, it's like it's the question: Did he really say that? Yeah, yeah that's what he meant. Right now, no, you know. Now I would say that like we we see where it wouldn't be a direct like, oh hey, it's okay to uh, cheat on your spouse. I don't expect that that's the guy's. However, it could be, hey, it's okay to do what makes you feel good. God wants you to be happy. It's the same. It's it's a yeah. it's the one step away that gets you to do the first step. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's certainly possible. Uh, number three, it weakens your prayer life. As Christians, we are called to pray daily. We we're is it, are we? What's this link say? Does it say that? I don't think it says that. No, it doesn't. Uh, it says to pray without ceasing. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's, There's I a frequency, that, it's without ceasing. That covers yeah. daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we are called to pray without ceasing. Okay, yeah, there we go. Um, blah, blah, blah. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Satan will spend time trying to pull you away from your time with God. You will no longer be encouraged to pray because the voice tells you that you have too many other important things going on. If you're having trouble praying, call on God and ask him to open your heart again to active prayer. Yeah, once again, I don't know if that's the voice of – yeah, it's just – it's the big – the capital S, Satan, or the the big deceiver that where I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit here. Because, like, there's a sense of pride to think that the big S gets off of his chair and comes down and comes after you solely because you're that big of a threat to the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? To the worldly kingdoms. Like, I, I think I think he's already spinning the brokenness within you. And, like, right. I think Dan's right. Like, it tends to be your own pride here. Right, and there's a level of pride that says, "Hey, I'm important enough to send a couple of spiritual defilers at me." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I carry so much weight in this realm that, like, they're gonna have to get a couple people against me. Right? There's just this, you have to think really highly of yourself and the damage you're doing to the kingdoms of this world. That Satan goes, "We need a guy on that guy. He's he's causing trouble." Yeah, mm-hmm. I've never I've never once been in one of these scenarios and thought to myself, "Am I am I hearing Satan's voice talking to me right now, or is this my own fear speaking to me? Is this is this like the the evil within me that's telling me that like I should be seeking out things that are are self satisfactory and and serve me?" Versus anything else, like that's that's the more common voice I'm hearing yeah. than than you know the big S as yeah. we keep saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, number four, it feels like commotion. Yeah. Listening to Satan's voice will feel like commotion, like chaos. Is that what they're trying? I mean, is that like okay. a noise? Distort? Like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, chaos and noise? <laughs> All of us in this room going commotion. <laughs> like it's, like the, come on, baby, do, do the, the locomotion. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe it's a low commotion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. Come on, baby, do the. <laughs> Um, I knew there was something wrong with that song. I knew it. Satan! <laughs> this is why it's imperative that we turn down the commotion occurring in our lives so we can more... Well, it's already low. So we can more clearly hear God's voice. Sometimes it will feel like God is silent, but the truth is he is always present. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you. If you feel like there is a great deal of chaos going on in your life, this may simply be Satan stirring up trouble. I'm not sure that's God's voice. And what? Oftentimes we're the product, like we've created our own right. chaos. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you must tune out the enemy's commotion so you can draw closer to God. I don't know if your feelings are the best bellwether to right. some of these things. Right. Right. And I've been just as guilty of this as everybody else, right? But, like, I don't know. In fact, there's one thing I do know is that my feelings are untrustworthy. Yeah. And I do know that. Right. And I, I know God is trustworthy. And so, like, uh, I, yeah, this, this, I mean, I felt commoted. <laughs> I don't know how you say this. Like, I mean, there's not there's not anybody in this room who hasn't felt like, hey man, things are just a bit out of bounds right, right. now. You it's know, settled. Something's yeah. got to tone down. Something's got to change. It's like not something that you. I'm like, we've been submitting it in prayer, and God's like, yeah, there's a lot going on right now, and yeah, I'll be with you. That's what He offers: is that I will go through the commotion with you, not I will stop the commotion. That that's a complete misunderstanding of what a life as a Christian looks like. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. Finally. Number five, it makes you feel worthless. One of Satan's greatest tricks is to convince you that you are worthless. Over time, you begin to become convinced that you are no longer valuable to God or anyone else. You will begin to ask your things, yourself things like, if God loved me, why am I experiencing this? This is Satan planting seeds of doubt in your head so that you will disconnect from God. Know that this is not of God. Satan wants nothing more for you to doubt God and the value of your life. If he can trick you into thinking this, he can move you far away from God. God wants the opposite. He wants to uplift you. He wants you to know how important you are. You are not worthless. Understand that you are important and bring value to this planet. Yeah, that's I, yeah. Go ahead. I think this is I think this is right, and it is of of a similar nature of the pervasiveness of um, sexual temptation um, and and that kind of thing, where it is a you don't move individuals, you move societies here, because like the 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 pervasiveness of thinking lowly of ourselves right in our culture. Um, and frankly, I'd be I'd be curious to see whether there is a correlation or a parallel in the two that both are exceedingly strong right now. If you think from from an American perspective, you have a very very high number of people who are um, like who do not feel strongly about themselves, who are doubting, um, and then also a very high number of people where there is a uh, a sexual dissonance between what God created and what people are seeking or what they feel like they're seeking, and so. Um, I, I'm I'm less inclined to see this as an individual thing, but more as an influence on society that causes everybody to just start doubting who they are, what their identity is, what their value is. It's sh- it's shame, right? That's what the, that's what it is. The better word for it is shame, right? And like like you feel less than, and like they're right. Like God does not use shame. Like He will use guilt. You are guilty of things. Like that's a hundred percent true, right? But whether that guilt stays on you. Or like gets to define you. That's where the shame comes in. Um, those are not tools of God, right? He does not do that. Um, he will use your guilt as a way of turning you around and letting you and acknowledging who He is and and coming back to what He's been offering you. But mm-hmm. like the feeling of shame perpetuating on you, and like and here's the thing: if you think the way that the especially the way the culture has been acting, like we look at it as, hey, you know, you will take every sin that you've come up with, and now you'll justify it. But if you think as the culture feeling the way they do right now, everybody feels full of shame. They're like a wild cat backed into a corner, right? And they're only, the only out they see is to justify the corner, is to say, yes, this is what I meant to do, and this is what I meant to feel like, and this is what I'm going to stand on, right? And so, like, if, if you put those two things together, then the culture makes a lot more sense right now, right? They're not just strong people living individual lives, independent and full of confidence in who they are. They're people full of shame backed into a corner and trying to find the smallest amount of sliver to hold on to so they'll justify how they got in the corner and for living there and call it the new great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so like all that starts to make a lot more sense when you've, you're you so rattled with shame, you'll do anything to make it stop. 
I, th- I think why I, I guess I question like in the article why why this this whole fantasy of trying to be important. It kind of says in the end there you're important, you know, you're special, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Like why 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 I don't does any culture before us had the need for individuals to feel important? Mm. Mm-hmm. I always go back to like the, the the story of David and Goliath and like the the dude in the fourth tent in the seventh row. Was he sitting there going, man, I just hope I get my name written down here. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, mean, I was here doing too. Life. He's, you know. Shut up, Ted. <laughs> I mean, there's there's one, there's two names come out of that story out of the thousands and thousands and thousands of people right. there. Now, I'm not saying they weren't important, but like, why are we? Why do we want to be David? Why do we want to be Goliath? Why why can't we just be the dude in the tent? Right, somebody's Craig. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why hey, the, Craig. that Fox's Book of Martyrs is so cool because yeah. you ain't yeah. heard of most of them. Just just right. Yeah. And like, if you ever get a chance to check out the Fox's Book of Martyrs, it, it's it's just a, a collection of people that have died for the faith in the last, I don't know, a couple thousand years or whatever. And most of them you haven't even heard of. And their stories are like so awesome, but right. they didn't get any glamorous. Like, you don't remember them to this day. They might use them as a clever anecdote in a sermon somewhere. But like, overall, they just lived their life and died unknown doing great things. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and you're right. We don't have, uh, we don't have a thought for that, right? We have a thought to need to stand out because that's how Western culture measures yeah. things. And, and that's when we started doing, making poor choices, you know? I came out of college and, and you know, I'm going to be something. I'm going to be somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, I tell people I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. He was the big guy back then, you know? And, and I'm going to build this. I'm going to build that church. I'm going to make it be a monster. And we had these plans, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, it, it's like, I didn't, haven't done any of that. And, and does that mean I'm worthless? Does that mean I'm I'm terrible? Does that mean I'm right. better or worse? It doesn't mean anything. It just like it means I was stupid back then, honestly. Right. Uh, and, you know, and until I could realize I, I I've done what God's called me to do, and that's all I need to do. Right. That's actually I was thinking about this. Uh, there was another podcast I was listening to. Actually, it was one of um, uh, Philip Ramsey, who we had in here a, uh, a, a few weeks back. And uh, one of their most recent podcasts was around uh, – he was talking about it as the, the grind, kind of the day-to-day life. But what, what it made me think about was how often do we measure our life by some guess at what we think it should look like? Yeah. And, and if you're not a success until you've attained it, you may have four successes in your life. Because of go- now, it's not that the goals are bad, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to looking at your everyday life, which is your ability to express the how you go about something, the progress you make towards something, your ability to walk faithful and be kind, and, and all the thing, all the good things that you can actually control day to day. You run the risk of looking at all those and go, "They're a failure unless I do this thing that is not even possible to attain on a day to day basis." And so, like. You basically what a, what a crappy way to set your life up to go well. As I look it out, I've got four major goals, which means I can feel successful four times. When you have the possibility to be successful daily in how, again how you treat people, your faithfulness and your in your walk with God, your ability to experience a good world that God created and relationships that He desires, and just all kinds of things of which you should be able to look back at your day and go, what a success, man. I, I experienced, I did, I tried my best with the work of my hands and the use of my mouth to otherwise create good and positive and, and, and faithful, obedient things into the world and not be able to see those as successful because you set a standard that's only achievable less than a handful of times a year. What a what a real bummer. That's a real bummer. Yeah, right. How do you ever get to the point where like 
Like like straight out of college, Dan goes, I'll be the next Billy Graham. You can only do that once. You know what I'm saying? Like right. you can only succeed at that if you did it one time. They're like, You're the next Billy Graham. You're like, hot dog. Right. <laughs> I did it. I succeeded one time. <laughs> and think of so realistically, like that means for the next your your the next ten years of your lives are implicitly a failure because you're not gonna be that. Yeah. And even if you achieved it achieved it, you achieve it for the day. Uh, and then now that goal's been met, and now what? Now you're a failure for another ten years till you figure out the next thing to knock down. And it's like, don't hear me wrong. The goal, goals are good. Like it's it's you know what you're working towards. You can tell whether you're progressing towards certain things. But if that's how you're measuring what success is, your value mis- as a human. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. You also like you have a, a a real risk of missing God move, right? Like um, like we get caught up in this and like uh, in the church culture a little bit with like. How many baptisms we do a year? How many new people came in the door? Whatever, and like, like you would never know if God is like legit sending people to you, right? Because you were so busy pumping out the next get people here campaign. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that that stuff's bad, so don't don't overstretch the metaphor. But like, like there's a possibility that like like with all of our effort. Like you missed, you you start attributing it to you and your effort through the Holy Spirit who supported me in this, right? Instead of God straight up just was sending people here anyway. Those flyers didn't make one dang bit of business. <laughs> you know, like no one actually cared. God's just like, I'm sending people anyway. You know, like we, we, we there's a, especially in stuff we try to attain in our lives and either, you know, by parenting or your relationships or your close relationships or the people you're trying to talk to about Jesus, like you can let your own you know, uh, benchmarks get in the way of realizing that God is actually doing a thing. You know, like it's pretty easy to get past that if you don't stick to where you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right, uh, that was the uh, how can you tell the difference between God's voice and Satan's voice from I, the belief net. I always tell I always tell the kids that like Satan doesn't get that much page time, right, in the Bible, and so like we're aware of it. There is spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare actually gets more more page page time than Satan himself, right? So like, we're not we're not so, so worried about it. We're more worried about pursuing God, pursuing the Holy Spirit, and 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 living in grace and that other stuff. I think it just that seems like his realm to me. We don't live there. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right, you're listening to live from the path. Uh, so we're we're checking up on this is another article on Christian Post. Skeptics demand proof after megachurch pastor claims prayer regrew woman's amputated toes. A Missouri megachurch is facing criticism and demands for evidence after reporting an alleged miracle in which a woman's amputated toes were said to have regrown after a prayer session. Uh, John Lindell, the pastor of James River Church in the Springfield area, claimed during a live stream last Wednesday that a creative miracle occurred the previous day at the Joplin campus of James River Church, where Christina Dine saw her amputated toes grow back. The church organized a week of prayer. The alleged healing occurred as guest pastors Bill Johnson and Randy Clark. Oh, of course, it's the Bethel fellas. <laughs> the alleged healing occurred as pastors Bill Johnson and Randy Clark led services. Johnson is a well-known charismatic pastor at Bethel Church in Redding, California, which runs a school of supernatural ministry. Lindell said Dines, a mother of four, had to undergo the amputation of three toes with her ex-husband when, see, after her ex-husband shot her three times in 2015. Wow. In the toe? I thought it was going to be diabetes. Okay, Wilford Brimley. It, seems, uh, <laughs> it does seem like a weird connection, though. Anyway, she was in a coma for two months. Uh, her best friend was shot to death in the attack. Her ex-husband was found guilty last December for a screen murder. Okay. He was found guilty. Yes. Okay. Two, yeah. Her injuries included the need to have three toes amputated. <laughs> Kelly, who serves on the prayer team, told her that the Lord wanted to grow her toes back tonight. So Kelly had her take off her shoe and anointed where each of the toes would be and began to pray. The skin began to change color. Pretty soon there was a pulse in the foot that she could feel. 
All of a sudden, Christie said, are you kidding me? And they saw the toes begin to grow. As the crowd erupted with applause and rose to their feet for an ovation, Lindell said that as others began to pray with Kelly, bone began to form where there was none before. As the ladies prayed for Christy over the next 30 minutes, all three toes grew, and by that point were no longer than her pinky toe. Within an hour, nails began to grow on all the toes. Okay. Okay. I'm interested. Continue, man. Okay. Johnson repeated the claims at Bethel's service on Sunday, saying that the James River Church saw hundreds and hundreds of miracles over three nights as they prayed for creative miracles. I don't know why he's talking about it that way. He discussed Dine's story, which took place at another James River campus. said it took about 30 minutes, but they saw the bone come wrapped in flesh. And by morning, the toenails, everything had formed. She got three brand new toes. Jesus stated, or Johnson stated that Jesus heals the inside as well as the outside, adding that the Lord once recreated a kidney for a friend who was missing a kidney, which he claims was verified by x-rays. I have friends who have seen an amputated or lost foot grow back, he continued. Okay, there's a lot more to this story, but like, let's let's get a couple of things out of the way. Uh, possible, yes, sure. Absol- yes, absolutely, abs- yep. yes, absolutely, once, absolutely. Okay, all right, yeah. So nothing about this particular story causes me to go, oh, I think it's suspicious. I don't know why they all have to happen around the Bethel guy, which then causes me to go, why is it only this man? I mean, I, p- people have the gift of healing, you know. Like I, uh, the be- let's put the Bethel dude aside for a second, but yep. like. It's a it's it's a gift. It's a spiritual gift, and there's there's gifts of healing, and so they could be concentrated around a person as long as they're like it, it, this is where we start to see it as as a little disingenuous, right? When it props up your personal ministry, your personal brand, or your personal name, that's where it starts to go. Ah, hey man, I don't know about this. I got to be honest. The thing that's throwing me for a loop is like I just assumed if God was going to do something like that, that they just showed up. Like I don't know about this twelve hour turnaround with the slow creepy toe growing and then flesh shows up and the nails show up for some reason i always just imagine if god was gonna put a foot back he'd be like foot boom he created a whole human with his breath i don't understand why he's going through the process of the 12 hours of growing a foot does that seem weird does it also seem weird that nobody took a took a video yeah that's why they had their phone that's what the atheist said uh so there is some push (laughs) there is some push back here um Way to go, Booba. I'm just saying, like, in like in any day and age, I, I mean, I'm not trying to say that I would need to prove a situation for God, but if I literally saw someone having bones growing back out, I'd it's be like, yes. Now, yeah, hold on. But Jesus yeah. said did, had a lot of that stuff that said the same thing. He's like, you're only going to get the sign of Jonah, right? Like, you're only going to get, right? If I told you, it wouldn't change now, the way they didn't have cell phones. You didn't have faith. You don't have faith. Well, uh, so, the, but, but how many times did Jesus also heal somebody and then go, go show? Right. Yeah. He said, go hide it. Don't no. show nobody. That, okay, and that's that loud a, mouth knowing that it was going to happen. That's a limited <laughs> circumstance. Most of the time, he's like, yeah, people go reveal this to the priest. Yeah. Go right. show the priest. Okay. And they're, well, that so, but the, but every the other people who are healed, like the guy, think of the guy who gets healed up at uh, at the beautiful gate, right? He's up jumping around. Like people right. are seeing this and attesting it, uh, and 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 not only just the people who were there, right? But like you could go out and you could see it. The people ran into other – in fact, uh, who was it that uh, – I mean the miracle of the lady at the well, but it wasn't there another dude who like um, – he the where he gets he gets healed uh, and it was, it was it was around the same time there was a question of whether uh, it was his family's fault or something. Oh, about, yeah. Yeah. So – He was uh, blind and dumb or maybe – Right. Other people saw this thing. It was very clear. Yeah. And so people have asked for evidence from this thing. Like just show us a picture of her toes before and after. I mean this seems really straightforward, yeah, that's, right? Yeah, it does seem yeah. straightforward. Yeah. And so um, – it said that there was a guy um, – oh, where is it at? Where? Oh, 
It's scrolling too far past. Oh, yeah, here we go. As Dines has not provided um, any photographic evidence to support the claim, a Springfield man who identifies as a Christian, identifies as a Christian, launched a website, showmethetoes.com, <laughs> asking anyone with evidence to share it. The uh, amount of money that that person might have had to pay for that domain. Uh, okay, so like, and he, yeah, here he, he's up here. And uh, he quotes Luke 17, uh, 14, go and show yourselves to the priests. That's what he said. Okay. Showmethetoes.com. Look at this. I like this thing. I, I like showmethetoes.com. <laughs> um, Don't say that on radio. He said, uh, I am 100% against faith healers. If it happened, they should be able to present proof. The man who remained anonymous told the Daily Beast they exploited her. On his friendly atheist blog, Hermit Meta wrote, Don't bother looking for video of the forming toes. No one decided to break out their phones to document this medical miracle. We're just supposed to take her word for it. He added, for a church that clearly has a state-of-the-art video production team, it's baffling that no one seems to have captured any of this on film, nor are there any doctors who can attest to what her toes look like last week versus this week. Uh, and he says, for, for many reasons, I'm not about to believe the unnamed doctor who apparently examined those toes. Uh, now, here's the, so uh, he does respond to this critique. Um, in a later sermon, Lindell said he was not interested in responding to the skeptics and is more worried about protecting Dines, who has had a lot of trauma in her life. People are saying if it's genuine, then why aren't you doing anything with it to publicize it? So let, let me ask you, before he provides the answer, would you? If you were in that same situation, you're the pastor, you were there, you saw the thing happen, um, and you've, you've, you were part of the prayer team, it's, you told everybody about it, and they're like, look, I, I, I don't believe it. Would you, would you want to show the proof? Yes. Here's the thing. I don't know Booba, what parts of your life have you shared to God's glory and your shame? I, all of it. All of it. Every mm -hmm. bit of it. Right? Some of the some of the most embarrassing, shameful things I've done in my life, I've straight up told a bunch of people. Yeah, I tell people those stories as often so as I can. So they can see what God, the changes God has made. Right. And so, like, yes, I would say, yep. get, get, why not? Why would you not get the toes out? Right. I think I wouldn't, but I would allow. I would encourage her to. Right. Yes. To. Right. Yeah. 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 That's the conversation here: is whether it's the pastor's uh, oh, responsibility. Yeah. To yeah like, certainly. Right. Yeah. Certainly. But like, it's not like her name isn't all over this already. Yeah, like, there's no anonymity. Yeah, they didn't say an unnamed person that we're not willing to talk she about. She gave an interview. Right. Which, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Is like, there's no anonymity that they're protecting here. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yeah, show the toes, man. I'm with this fellow. Show me the toes. Uh, okay, so he gave a couple of reasons. There are a couple of reasons. I am less interested on. in proving to people what I know God did than I am in protecting sheep who are in protecting sheep who are vulnerable. I am going to protect sheep. That is my first concern is for her. If that bothers you, then I'm sorry. But if you are in trouble, then my concern is for you too. I think we have to have that heart. We have to discern what is going to be right and what's going to be appropriate. I, I, I don't. He said nothing. Yeah. The huh. last three sentences. How did the word get out? Maybe I missed that originally. He said it. He, he said he it. Told it around, told <laughs> yeah. everybody he had. went around and yeah, told it at other campuses. It. That's yeah. right. And yeah. this is this is James River. James River yeah. is humongous. Yeah. Right. This is a humongous church. And so, like, this is not just oh, I told some people at the prayer meeting. This is at every giant, massive service they had. It was right. part of the show. Broadcast on the internet. of people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so, like, okay. But you like you draw the line at, well, when you want the picture. Mm -mm. Yeah, I'm yeah. protecting sheep. Except for when you put up a sign that said sheep for sale 10 How minutes earlier. However, I really do appreciate the atheist statement of like their state-of-the-art video team that is putting out like insane concert-level videography of everything they do. Then goes, wait, that woman's toes are coming back right now and we can see the bone? Shut that camera off now. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, we go to every medical procedure and, just in case. And, and yeah, and again, everyone who had a phone anywhere nearby, all the different things, the people, the congregation that is saying that they saw it. Now, I will tell you this: over a half an hour. Okay, I just just so it's clear, fellers. If you ever come across me with some sort of problem in the hospital and you're praying and something is happening and over a half an hour time, my limbs are growing back. You film that beast. Yeah. You have right. my, yes. you have we'll my permission. It. Yes. <laughs> Do it. Now, yeah. on, on the flip side, interesting. Did someone say something? Did I interrupt you? No, Nathaniel's watching YouTube. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I'm looking at showmethetoes.org. Oh, <laughs> terrible. All of a sudden, I heard a voice. Like, oh, did I just run over somebody? It okay. could be the Satan. Was it Satan's voice? <laughs> was it Satan? <laughs> Whose voice was that? What was I going to say? Oh, just oddly enough, this morning, it's, it's cool. When, when did you, you grow toes back? <laughs> what? Yeah, my, to- my okay, toe grew back yep, just this cool. morning. Yeah. Uh, it's cool when you've been doing this a long time and you read something, you're like, I've never seen that before, right? Uh-huh. So, yeah. so this morning, Luke 14, I'm reading that. It's probably verse 2-ish. In, in the version I'm 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 reading through right now, uh, Jesus heals a guy who um, is like what did I say filled with fluid or something. It's, it has some word word like that. And I'm with a guy and he's like, "What? what wait, what'd you say?" And I said, like, uh, "What'd you say?" His says dropsy. Okay, so oh, I've, yeah. I've heard dropsy. I've read that before, but I thought I've, it's probably in my head. I thought, "Oh, dropsy. I don't know what that is. Go on, blah 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 blah." Right. And and he, he then the, mine was much more descriptive, and I thought, "Wait a minute, that'd be a pretty cool sight." If right. you team in all bloated and all, all like all full of fluid is, is the uh, whose body was swollen with fluid. That's what it says. Yeah, he went yeah. on Violet Beauregard in the situation. And all of a sudden Jesus heals him. Like, what did that? Was that an instantaneous? You know, did he just suck into like right. a skinny guy, or did it take six hours with no film? Or can we start praying on that for me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Booba, you got dropsy. That's the whole I thing. The dropsy. <laughs> I have a twenty-five year case of dropsy. It's the whole time we've been going after the wrong animal. <laughs> It's dropsy. We've been blaming the baloney. <laughs> yes, that's right. If only we would have read Luke. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know that was awful. I'm just saying it had to be say. quite visual right. for, for, for right. the folks there. Okay, so this makes me go back to the slow toe growing. And this is what I'm, I'm telling you. I'm just struggling with this. The like, slow toe. I feel like when, when when he went and got the guy at the pool, he's like, get up, grab your mat, t- cut a trail. Yeah. And dude instantly stands up, does a jig, tells everybody, and out he goes. You know, but they're like, yeah, the toe slowly came in. And then a the fingernail, okay, you know, zooming in later. I'm like, right. I don't know. That's like Wolverine's gross. claws yes. coming out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's horrifying. <laughs> and did they show up like exactly the same length as the rest of them? <laughs> you know, like they've always been there, manicured and everything? I really yeah. want to see and it. it grew nails 12 hours later. Like, I'm surprised they didn't have like a live stream toe watch. This one's I like. Here's, so here's what does that Jesus do? <laughs> does, I, just, I, I have no problem with my faith right now, but I would have been real on fire for God <laughs> if I was able to watch toe watch like we watched the Eagles 15 years ago. Like, that would have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would say that everything points to me that as I look in the New Testament, as healings are happening, people are showing. Yeah. It is a validation, and people want to share God working in their lives and to, and to demonstrate that that God has done something here. As a matter of fact, Jesus dies on the cross. He shows up, and that what is exactly he's doing. He's like, look, look at me. I want you to see that I'm resurrected. And so, like, this is not a private area. This is not particularly controversial, and they, and they know that this is a barrier for somebody, right. not because they like. Sometimes it's not because I don't think God can do it, but I think you're a manipulative turd. 
and I think you're <laughs> right. lying to me. And and I and I have every reason as a as a cautious person who tries to be faithful to God and Scripture to reckon to be cautious that someone is deceiving me. Yeah. And you, sir, sound like you're deceiving me. And so. I don't need to see – I don't need to personally validate every miracle that shows up. I'm willing to believe this, no problem. But now this sniffs dicey to me. I know this happens. I have every confidence that it happens. Right. But like what you're doing here is hiding for no particular reason. It does not expose her anymore. It doesn't show anything that she shouldn't. She's already told the stories like I, – I, it's not It's not justified. Now, she. I agreed with Dan. She has to do it. She has to want to do it. But like I don't – I just don't um, – if if someone said, if someone said, if you were willing to show your toe, a picture of your toe before and after a miracle, a hundred people who had doubts about even this whole ministry would go, you know what? Now I believe it. Not only that the miracle happened, but every the gospel that they were telling me now, I, now the two matchy matchy. Right. Now I can believe them both. If someone said one person would come to know and love Jesus, you show your before and after toe. I like freaking do it right now. Yeah. And so that's I, I don't like us. I don't like it. You think she had pictures that were blown off toe? You no, but there's so. x-rays. Uh, yeah. I, I bet there would have been evidence for it yeah, um, as they part had of the murder s- trial. Yeah, they had to do some yeah, – right, exactly. Yeah. Part of the murder trial, x-rays before surgery because yep. they had to close the wounds up, stuff like that. Yep. Checkups that had to happen within the doctor's office that they, she could have could have asked for access from because it's her medical records, all kinds of stuff. I mean, yeah. I'd take a picture of my toes if they were – I wouldn't show them to people. But I'd be like, yeah, hey, look at this. Right, exactly. Totally. Like, uh-huh. I've had some I've had some <laughs> rough wounds Did in my life, if totally? I'm being real. <laughs> be, be, being a diabetic, you kind of got to be careful about all – your wounds that's probably the best way to put it so like i take like i take evidence of everything that happens to me whether it's like a small cat scratch all the way up to like something to put me in the hospital for a couple days i've got a whole album that's just locked away that's like dropsy yeah day 1024 got some (laughs) i got i got day 3000 of bloat um but like yeah no you got you have evidence of that kind of stuff yeah on the uh on the show me the toes.com The, under the call me call for proof tab, yeah, uh, there's three sections. It's one if you attended the week of power, two if you are Chrissy, uh, and three is if you attended and were disturbed by what you saw. <laughs> I mean, wow. it would freak me out. There's no oh. way if I'm sitting there, I don't pull my phone out. I'm just being real well, honest about also, it. And also, like, yeah, go back yeah. to our earlier article, right? Uh, like, would it bring uh, panic to you? Yes. Absolutely. I'm watching a foot regrow. I'd be <laughs> Over 12 hours. I'd be like, oh, man, I feel I feel commotion. <laughs> There's commotion going on. This lady's wolverine right now. There's no way I'm not taking a photo for the X-Men Chronicles. Of course, yeah. for 12 hours, maybe that's why no one pulled out their phone. They're like, oh, nothing happened. And also, don't take Tomorrow this Tomorrow happened. But don't you think you'd be a little <laughs> bored of it after about eight hours? No! Like, Are you kidding me? I would stay up all night and watch. I would just be like, hey man, God's got this. Let this these toes look like they're Tell me what it's doing. I would say, God's got this. I want to see it. I'm going yeah. to bed. You already saw most of it. I no, mean, it's just a no. toe. I'm, here's the deal. I want to see no toe to 100% toe. And From I want to be there finish. for the whole How deal. would you... I mean... You think there was a ding? How would you know it's done? Yeah. Because <laughs> an, an hour before, you'd be like, that looks about right. Yeah. And right? You're like, no, if no. You, it's if still you, going. If you anointed the toe and then went, the Lord wants to grow these toes back right now, and you're praying, and if you set your weird kitchen timer for, I bet this will happen in about 14 and a half hours. Uh-huh. I've, I've healed toes before. They take a bit. 
How long before you think she decided I'm gonna get up and walk? Like two hours before? <laughs> like it, it, it might hurt. How do you know when it's actually done? I think this is a great question because you're like, I don't know. If I looked at my toes and they w- they went in a half centimeter, I wouldn't notice. I'd be like, that's my toes, my regular toes. Yeah. How would I know actually when my toes are done growing? No. Where I'd be like, I'm gonna take a peel and walk right now. And, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. and I would I would call nine one one. Like if I just start getting bones growing out and stuff like that, I'd probably be like, I mean, I appreciate what the Lord's doing, but like there's some medical stuff happening too maybe i should get a doctor's I, thoughts i yeah i would say fellas you gotta check this out you gotta come you <laughs> yeah, gotta pick me right up directly. hey you know everything you know about like neurogenesis and the way that our body regrows and things like that i'm a freaking chameleon right yeah, now yeah. get My out of here are coming back <laughs> i just i might be part iguana come on out and take a look at these toes yeah. yeah we let this go in the bible all the time but like this is a great question on how you know it was finished if it took that long this is why i thought the instant healings were right right because once you're done jesus is like you're done yeah go, go we opened our eyes, the toes were there. Well, and like, well, the so toenails like when, came later, so it has to be when the toenails were on. Yeah, but yeah. how long are the toenails? Are they like a 16? When you have to cut them the, the first time, you know Do you know think they done. grow faster now? Yeah. Like they're, like they're God, faster because they're they've, been, toes? they've been God supercharged? <laughs> <laughs> I, were, were our toes always meant to be awesome? And we've ruined them? For the brokenness? fall of man <laughs> has ruined our toes. Oh, tight shoe bendy breaky thing yeah, right. whatever that yeah. guy plays guitar with his feet he's onto it he's what we were like before the fall we could do all kinds hey, of man, stuff your toes kind of like help you walk and stuff like that she might have to relearn how to walk yeah, again oh thinking. yeah she said that she said uh that this was i thought this was interesting in a video this, the woman discusses it she says she discussed the healing session saying someone beside her inquired if she wanted her toes a legitimate question a group of women then prayed for her foot prompting her to remove her shoe to check for any progress and when I did, I had to grab the person next to me and say, do you see what I see? And I saw three toes that were forming. And now that's, there's length to them tonight, she says. I can stand on my tippy toes. Listen, do you understand? I can stand on my tippy toes. I couldn't do that because I did not have toes to tippy on. Okay. So She's, like, uh, she has no credibility as a human being. This is hard, right? Because like, <laughs> the, like my best – I wouldn't say best, but like the most experience of a faith healer that I have in my head is we were at a, a, a music festival, right? Yep. And our friend Pants was there, and he has MS. And so the, these faith healers come up, and they're like, do you want to be cured of your MS? And Pants like, yeah, okay. You know? And then so they're <laughs> like, they pray that. over him, and like – he still has MS to this day. Yeah. You know, and then they kind of shamed him on the way out. They're like, if you had more faith, you would have no MS, you know? And so, like... I punched that dude in the face. What, right? Like, we were... We, I mean, it was rough. It was rough. It we're was both, rough, yeah. Mad. Uh, but, like, at, at the end of the day, like, there's plenty of people that are using this for their own glory, and this one doesn't particularly smell like God's glory to me, mm-hmm. but, like, that, I think that's the hard thing, right? Because you can sit in a room and go... Like, we know God does this. This is not a problem right. for anyone in the room. Nope. Everyone's like, sure, God will do whatever he wants, and he does it a lot. But but when someone has to make a big deal out of it and then offer no proof of it, you're like, I don't know, this sounds super shady. Super, super shady. Yeah, yeah I guess, can we help me back thinking through Scripture? Are there, besides the guy where Jesus says, don't tell anybody, are there any other miracles that were very clearly God stepped in and then did not want other people to know. Right, where it was private. Especially yeah. after Jesus. Yeah, only before his, when it, when it wasn't his time yet. It was like, just... Keep right, he was like, yeah, keep yeah. your mouth shut. And Knowing full all, well they were going to run and go that crazy. That was crowd control. Yeah, yeah but... And, yeah. And there, right, yes. Exactly. And there was no stealth Yahweh, right? Like, if yeah. Yahweh showed up from Genesis to to New Testament, right? 
Like when he showed up, he showed up, right? Like pillar, pillars of fire, right? Or licking up the water, or like you know what I'm saying, or coming down and sending a dude down to beat up Jacob or whatever. Like, it, like all this, like it was all noticeable. Yeah, he doesn't. God doesn't do back alley bounty. Like he he's not trying to do. Uh, if here's actually here's one of the gaps is it feels very personal. Like God showed up to your place. Gave you twenty bucks and said, "Don't tell anybody. I don't want everybody asking." And this, which is the opposite of "ask, seek, knock," right. that Jesus is doing. And so it just it does not sniff right. And like I can't imagine again, just personally, that I wouldn't want to be. I'd be the first dude. I said, "Take as many toes as you you know, take as many pictures as you want, photograph it. I don't care. I want the world to know yes. what God has done through me." You know, like if she's willing to give it up and give her testimony on how God has rescued her from sin in her life. Uh, what is the hesitation on the toes? Yeah, yeah, and to be honest, I'd love to hear that part. Like the mm-hmm. the her being saved from her sin in her life that that brings more of a smile to my face than the toes, right? And so, like God's gr- goodness was already there, right? Like his great his story of his greatness was already there, right? Who has power to forgive sins and get up and walk? The toes are impressive. Do them both. The toes are impressive to like a human. Well, you know, but like God's not like, yeah, those toes were tough. Well, right, I really but, had to put a lot of work into that. The toes, <laughs> the toes were tough. The toes, Took me twelve hours. Just like the miracles, just like the the physical nature of the miracles in uh, in Jesus's time, the, the toes are valid. They're validating the thing that you think, and and it's um, it's it's a re it's a reaffirmation that like God created physical bodies. He works through physical bodies. Right. He rescues people in physical bodies. We are not just disembodied souls, and so like. I, I just I, I don't, actually I don't get this. This is irritating me more and more. Yeah. <laughs> the math doesn't work. Created the universe in six days. Took half a day for three toes. Yeah. yeah. And in that half a day, no one could find a camera. Right. Never. <laughs> God's just focusing on. <laughs> and you think it's done yet? No, yeah. you gotta wait. It's Dude, got a couple more hours to go. Hold, yeah. Are hold. we there yet? You have two and a half toes. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Hold the prayers back. I'm busy. I'm trying to regenerate some toes here. Calm down. There's a lady in Burbank. She needs three toes. And he could regenerate toes while you're up walking about, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, these are human barriers. Yeah. Now, I mean, now, that said, I, as God does miracles, like, it's an affirmation and it's it's for humans, right? It, it solves the thing, but you also tends to be witnesses to things and just like you pray on it. It's not like you necessarily had to move God's hand. He's just – you're praying on it. Now you get to see him work. And so, like, is there a notion of God decides to solve something or, or do miracles in a particular way because it is also hitting humans in a particular way? Because similarly – and I know I've said this a ton of times, right? But, like, Jesus, we say Jesus had to die on the cross, but God is totally able to solve the rescue problem any other way he wanted to. Now, it makes sense the way he's done it, but, like, he could have just shouted it down. He goes, yeah, you're all rescued. You got to believe in me, right? But there's a reason there's a a physical Jesus that walks the earth, a physical Jesus that rescues, that sacrifices, that forgives. It's frankly, we understand the character of God and how we're supposed to be based upon those things. It matters that he came physically. And so is it possible that, that God extends a miracle for 30 minutes to regrow toe for reasons that he finds valuable? Yeah. Yes. It's not that he couldn't do it. Just like, actually, as we think about it, uh, the world was created in seven days or six days. Like, why? Why could he not have just snapped a finger and had it created? Of course he could have. There's something about the pattern of creation that is not simply. This is how I know that it's not a textbook. It's not a science book because God has no reason to just not create the world all at once. If all he wanted to do was, I want you to know I created it. That's why I wrote the first part of the book. 
it cannot be the purpose. Otherwise, there's no reason to delay. He's not hindered by the amount of days it took, right? So it has to be a bigger, deeper story than what we often are looking for out of it. So I'm open to the fact that it took 30 minutes just because he wanted it to. You're listening live from the past. 12 hours seems Okay, aggressive. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. Sabuva and I were at, uh, we were in the, what state were we in? Virginia. Okay, just by, by Washington, D.C. We go to this uh, business architecture town. But this is, this, this, there's just some lame things going on <laughs> at this conference now. Some of it was really helpful. Some of it was just really boring. I, I bailed, to be honest with you. There was one of the things, it was like hedging risk at FedEx. And I said, I, this just looks terrible. I'm going to go take a nap. I told Boovey he could take a nap, but he felt compelled to stay there and, and hold the fort down. Anyway, we go to we go to dinner one night at this joint called Not Your Average Joe's over by the hotel. <laughs> and uh, we sit down, and this dude, the waiter, comes over. And this dude is is tatted up. Uh, and he's working on a full sleeve, I know that, because he said that. <laughs> and uh, this, real, this, this real champion over here, Boova, just starts chatting him up about tattoos. He's going to show off his tattoos. He's going to ask the man about his ta- tattoos and his tattoo ideas. We were there for an hour and 15 minutes. This man talked about his tattoos and nipples and body for about 50 of those minutes, <laughs> maybe 55. And I was trying to give Boova the death glare. Because I'm like, you keep talking to this man, and he keeps thinking he's in a friendly environment. We need to communicate to him through rudeness that this is not a friendly environment. <laughs> Couldn't and, do it. And I do not want to – he's like, he's like, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking about getting a tattoo of an astronaut planting the flag on my left nipple. <laughs> and then there would be some sort of like dotted line like Calvin and Hobbes or whatever going around his other nipple. And I look – and I don't With like – With a spaceship. Hey, this man is his is who he is, okay? Boova is to blame for this problem because he's chatted this man up and asked him questions and like said things like, Oh yeah, that's awesome. I may I may have said four or five times after he had left and come back, I hate who I am. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't enough though. I mean he this personality came out four times in this I didn't, conversation. I didn't change my ways. Now okay, and so the cab the, the, the story, there's two other elements of the story. Uh, we're trying to get out of there, and the guy goes, hey, you guys leave any room for dessert? Now, I, we probably didn't need dessert. However, the, it was on the company dime, and so I said, yeah, I'm interested. And so uh, he goes, "He goes, do you trust me? <laughs> what a weird thing to say, right? Boova <laughs> goes, yeah. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> After trusted all, him with my life. Freaking nip, nipple. Okay, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you. One of these tattoos was he's going to the tattoo parlor. He doesn't know what to get. And so he calls his mom and he says, Mom, what should I get for a tattoo? I'm going to the tattoo parlor. His mom says, Make sure you get something that effing means something. Like tattoos should mean something. So get something. Okay. So he goes to the tattoo parlor and he gets uh, the words. Uh, this tattoo effing means something. Dash mom. Mom. A mom quote. <laughs> On his thigh. Oh, this guy. This guy, classic. Okay, so anyway. So then, yeah, so Booba hears that story and goes, yeah, we trust you. And except for Booba did the right thing. He tried to get out of there. He says, can we take this to go? The guy goes, no, can't do it. Can't do it. And so should we stay? Now, he looked at me. Now, this is the only part of the conversation I'm interested in, right? Is I'm interested in going, yeah, let's have this dessert. I don't care about any of the other things that happened. I wanted, I wanted the dessert. So I said, yeah, let's do it. We're going to stay here. we got to do it. You think to yourself, have to stay here and like a cool surprise from Tat Waiter. What could this be? I thought like a, like a creme brulee, like something that gets on fire. Yeah. Right? Something because you can't be, can't be on fire in the, in the parking lot, right? Yeah. So I thought, so he's going to come out with this thing on fire. It's going to be epic. It's close. 
He comes out with a molten lava cake, like you would get from the Applebee's, or, or with my, one scoop of vanilla ice cream, yeah, or, <laughs> or like a microwave bunt cake from Little Debbie at your house. Oh, no. And yeah, with one scoop of ice cream. And so that was his big, hey, do you trust me, surprise, right? You can't eat this away from here. You got to have it here. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've, I've never felt such contempt for myself <laughs> and, an, and another human being in the same moment. Like I hated both of us at yeah. that moment. And so, so we go to leave, right? And he goes, hey, thanks for chatting. It's chatting me up. And like, and, and Bova says something like, you know, if we're ever back in this part of, part of the country where we'll see, he's like, well, okay, wow, where are you guys from? And he goes, well, we're from Iowa. And you should have seen this guy. Eyes like wide open, tattoo aghast. And he moves in a little bit closer. And he's like, you're from what part of Iowa? And we said, well, I don't know. We're like in the Des Moines metro area here and there. And he's like, are you near Johnston? I said, well, hot dang. I don't know where this is going. If this man has a tattoo of Johnston proper on his <laughs> left butt cheek, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be – I mean, I'm leaving a tip. <laughs> State outline and a yeah. star. And so he goes, hey, listen. He turns his, his left wrist, and he's got like a cross tattoo on his wrist. And so he points, he points at this, and he says, are you, do you guys know the way? I'm like, what the heck? This is weird. This thing turned really, really weird. And I said, I think so by what you're tr- trying. I think. I owned a Bible that was called The Way Once that I bought from a, from a thrift store. Um, and he goes, did you know the Pope is in Johnston, Iowa? I said, no, no. See, that's where we lost you. I was, I was, I, I, the way part, I think I could agree to. He goes, no, 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 no. The Pope is definitely in Johnston, Iowa. And I can't make it. He goes, I'm too tied up here. I got lots of people to waste time for. But, like, if you guys are going, you should go visit the Pope in Johnson. I said, well, you know what? I- I'm open to this being a possibility. Can you give me the address? So he gives me the address. And Boova and I come back into town. Uh, and uh, Boova was in trouble. He didn't clean the cat litter before he left. So I had to drop him off back at home. <laughs> Rough. And, uh, and so, but, but I went over. And I'll be doggone. I follow this from the GPS. And it's Dan's house. Somehow, the rumor has gotten out that Dan Hudson is the Pope. And it's made its all the way to, to uh, rest in Virginia. To this man at the Not Your Average Joe's. And so I, we go to Dan's house, and I say, Dan, I mean, you'll never heard. I told him this story. He was he was particularly interested in that nipple thing, and I'm not, I, I had to get him away from it because we had things to sort out. Because he t- started talking about ideas he had <laughs> for a tattoo. And I said, focus, focus, Pope Dan. <laughs> anyway, all, now by that time, there's a whole crowd of people that are gathering, and they believe that Dan Hudson is the Pope. And so uh, there's only one way out of this is like if people mistake you for the Pope, you have to give them a Pope style advice. You got to give them go out like the Pope would on the veranda, and you got to say something where they think, oh, well, the Pope spoke to me. So then they would disperse. And so it's and it had to be something that's like relevant to your life because you can't just take something rando. People got to feel it like the Pope would. And so Dan goes, yes, I, I can handle that. So Dan, what did you tell him? Dan, <laughs> what what did you say? What, what did I say? <laughs> wow! So I, I have the 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 honor, the privilege of, of having a a job in life where I'm in the middle of a lot of a lot of people helping people, right? Yep. And and and, and I uh, often have ideas, and I share with people, hey, here's here's a way we can help. I work with an orphanage. In, in Africa, and, and, and you know, we're raising money for that. Uh, we have a, a refugee family from Afghanistan that we're feeding for a year, so people are bringing groceries, and, and then I get to go take them mm-hmm. uh, to this um, family's house. And uh, so 
the other day, uh, it was happened to be, you know, it's been a, a winter and snowy and stuff. It happened to be a beautiful day. And I'm driving down the road. I, I had I had some, okay, go back a step. Uh, on, on Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning, someone says, can I come to your house? I got something I'd like to share with you. I'm like, well, sure, sure. Um, and they come over that afternoon and they hand me two envelopes and there, there's $9,100 cash in it. Oh, my. And they said, we want this to go to the orphanage. Mm. And I'm like, uh, yeah, blown away. It's like, that's, that's like, you know, okay. Yep. Um, well, why don't you just give it through the church? Well, we just want to do it with, with, the, with the orphanage. I said, okay, okay. So I'll get like a cashier's check or something and send it and put it in your name though. Okay. Um, also, um, that day I get all the groceries. And, and so on Monday I, I, I head to the bank, I get the cashier's check. We, uh, go through this conversation there. I go to, uh, an Afghan grocery store and pick up a, a bunch of groceries. And so I got, my truck is filled with groceries for an Afghan family. Mm-hmm. Um, $9,100 in a cashier's check, uh, in my, my little middle compartment in the, in the truck, it, it's, it's got like gift cards for homeless people, right? So, so all these things, like we're doing for yep. other people, right? And I'm driving down Merle Hay Road, I'm driving down the road, and it's beautiful, and it's sunny, and it's like a little bit warm. And warm enough, I put my windows down, and I'm, I actually put on some Jesus music, and I'm listening to some Jesus music, and it's sunny, and, and it's beautiful. And I'm looking at I just washed my truck. I have, you know, a nice new truck. Um, and, and, I'm, and, and like, life is good, right? And yep. I'm like, like, there's nothing, like, I'm just thinking, wow, this is, what a dream, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, with all the stuff I have in the truck, and all the stuff is going, I mean, everything represented of that morning was just this like, great God moment I'm having. And I'm driving down the road, and I look over to the left, and there in the medium is a dude with uh, a sign, like you know, I need food. Yep. I need, somebody help me out. And 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 like I'm I'm literally loaded with over ten thousand dollars worth of help for yep. other people. And my immediate thought was, oh crap, I got to help them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was like oh, guilt. I drove on because I was like in the process of driving, and I had this moment of guilt. I'm like, oh man, I should turn around. I should do something. I literally have something I can do. You, you know. Mm-hmm. And in this moment of, 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 you know, shame that I was feeling like, oh, you loser. I can't believe you're not doing this. Uh, there was just also this, this calming presence of the Holy Spirit. This, you know what? Uh, you're doing enough right now. You've mm-hmm. done what I've called. I've called you for that Afghan family. I've called you for that orphanage. You mm-hmm. know, I've, I haven't called you for that guy. Yeah. And it was it was very comforting to hear like like whoa that's that's, that's that was not what I would expect right right like, right I was right. thinking I should really turn around and go and my whole point is is some, sometimes you just got to pause you we can shame ourselves into a lot of things and mm-hmm. guilt ourselves into things that maybe God maybe that whole conversation we had was a Satan's voice or God's voice uh, of of we can do things that maybe God didn't intend for us maybe maybe get, maybe someone else behind me was supposed to help them maybe that guy really didn't need help i don't don't know the story but there was a a definite presence of the holy spirit that said you know what Uh, just go on and 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 my advice to the people in my yard is to say you know what um whether it's shame or or whether it's uh, over zeal whatever it is that's motivating you to do things take a step back allow the holy spirit to speak to you and, and really seek god's voice in things uh because he is alive and he's active and he has a plan and and you can be a part of it. Yeah, I think that I think that's super important um, because otherwise we turn we run the risk of turning God's work in our life as another human measure. Yeah, um, and, and we, it's just, it's just so funny. We've been talking about this recently. It was in in Matthew six. 
um, God is talking about um, basically you're not you're not to be posturing for humans, and so you're you're with your alms giving and with your fasting and with your prayer um, is like you're doing it for God. Uh, if you posture for humans, that you're going to get that, then then and that, that but that's your only reward. Um, and then it, it moves into. Um, listening to um, the, basically the criticism of, of others. Um, and and it's interesting because in the same way that you are not supposed to hyper-focus on what humans – the human praise, you also are not to be investing in human criticism mm-hmm. in the same manner. Neither of those – both of those things give human and human standards and human levels and human expectations – a way of driving your life when otherwise we're talking about the bigger thing here. We're talking about trusting God with those types of, of things. And so like people who would criticize you as an example of what clo- type of clothes you're wearing, um, like that outside perspective on you um, is, is you're free to ignore it because it's not, it's not God's thing. And so just as you don't, you don't pine for their praise, you don't invest in their criticism. And so the the risk becomes, here's some good things that, that I think God wants me to do. And the shame becomes, well, if I had to tell the story and someone goes, dude, did you pass up a homeless guy today? And I have would say, well, yeah. Is there a shame related to that? Or human, even your own human expectation of what it looks like to please God, where Dan's Pope's advice is, uh, I mean, it's it's God's work. Is shouldn't we kind of let God direct it? Well, you, even even Jesus didn't heal everybody, right? Before going to the cross, he said, "I've completed all that the Father has asked me to do." There were a lot of hungry people. There were a lot of blind people. A lot of deaf people. Yep. A lot of people that need help. Yes. When he left. Yes. And, and it's like we're not called to do everything, but we're called to do what he's called us to do. Yes. Yes. And so, and, and I think it comes down to um, it's, it's it. They're both ends. Um, mm-hmm. I think you don't have to have God like visibly uh, get in front of your face or yell in your ear to go. You should help people. Like you, basically, you should look at the Holy Spirit as the possible constraint here, not the I don't do anything unless I get pushed. Mm-hmm. Because like, if we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to speak, uh, the scriptures, the Holy Spirit has already spoken. Right, that that's what the scriptures are, and so if we know that we're supposed to clothe the clothe the naked and feed the hungry and 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 share good news to the nations, um, then you should be doing that. Like the Holy Spirit already spoke, but I, I think it's a really good it's a good point to that. Like we can take the things that God has directed us to do, um, and then make our own program out of it. And it'd be like taking here's all the things that I know Jesus said were good, and they go, okay, well Tuesday I'm going to do this, Wednesday I'm going to do this, Friday I'm going to do this, um, and then now I'm just serving my own schedule. I'm serving my own understanding of what righteousness looks like, as opposed to saying the same God who called me to these things actually cares daily about it, and so shouldn't I be giving God room to speak and guide? And that's the relationship issue, as opposed to just submitting the tasks up to God. Okay. I like it. Has anybody, anybody else ever, you ever run into a similar situation where, like, you felt like God had you doing some things and then something showed up and you either had a hard time saying no to it or had a real easy time saying no to it? Because you're like, I, I know this is not for me. I had this talk with my kids, I don't know, a couple of months back or something. Like, I don't know, we had a lot going on or whatever. And then, like, one one new thing had come up. And it turns out, like, if we were, if we would have gone up and helped, like they wouldn't have had to have canceled like the pet band playing for that night, right? They were short in the concession stand, I guess. And so like if the concession stand has to get manned whether the band plays or not. So like if they're short, the band director has to run the concession stand and then uh then they have to cancel the pet band playing. Mm. And so like I found out about it and I'm like, Man, 
you know, we could go up there, I guess. And I thought about it, and I and I looked at my daughter. I'm like, look, uh, we can't be the solution to every problem, right? There's only we can't we can't we can't stretch so thin. Like I hear what you're saying, and this one makes perfect sense, and I'm totally with you. But like, the foos can't solve every problem, so I think we're gonna have to let this one drop, you mm-hmm. know. And like, it kind of felt. I, it felt weird. It mm-hmm. felt weird to move on from something that you know it was good. Like it would have been a good thing to do, and and um, but like I, but we, I had peace about it. It wasn't a big deal, you know. But like at the end of the day, sometimes it's really hard to to like you look at all of God's commandments and you just assume they're all for you all the time. Like all the good things, like obviously avoiding sin is for you all the time. But like the good things He's called us to, and the different interactions we've had with people. They're not all for you all the time. And mm-hmm. I think Ben's right. There's a little bit of arrogance in thinking that way, you know? Um, but, like, it is, it's amazing. Like, it's like a little gift to Dan. You know, like a little gift to you where God goes, look, man, you got to stop this. Right? Like, I'm still Yahweh. <laughs> right? I got this covered, not you. <laughs> so why don't you just let me help you and, and decide where you're going? Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, and I think that that process... Uh, is it was a healthy one regardless right of basically submitting your your life and the, or your actions and whatever continually to god that praying without ceasing keeps you rightly balanced regardless but it also keeps us from doing things that end up being um uh, I, I do believe there there are blessings here on earth that we are made to take part in and and it keeps us from going look i need to be in absolute poverty and not have any joy in life while there is still suffering anywhere else, lest God be angry. And I think God can keep a good balance on what it looks like to serve others and still enjoy the world that he created around you. We tend not to be very good at it. And so you better ask. That's the right thing to be asking about. And so you maintain a healthy balance. Okay. So here's the options. Okay. You get two, either two pretty ridiculous ones or one serious and one ridiculous. Two ridiculous. The vote... Too ridiculous. Double ridiculous. Okay, here we go. Double ridiculous. They're live from the path. How do you tell a loved one that they have bad hygiene, mm. such as body odor and bad breath? Okay. For the most part, my ex-husband raised my now adult son. My ex is very clean, so I'm not sure why my son is not. It isn't a medical issue, and it isn't sweat from exercise. It's just body odor. My son and a couple of his friends seem to have lower standards in this area than is socially acceptable. The rest of his friends have what we would be considered normal hygiene. I'm worried because this could affect his career and love life. Is there a way to approach it without hurting his feelings, or should I just let him stink and say nothing? Those are the only two options? <laughs> I tell you what, I'd go right down to center. I would hurt his feelings and tell him he stinks. How much do you love the kid? That's what my wife does. Yeah. yeah. You stink. Yeah. You stink bad. Like, oh, thanks. Yeah. When, when I was a younger man. Before you had drops. Nathaniel. Be, you're gonna have to be prepared to, to verify this is no longer true. Just have your old sniffer at the ready. When I was a younger man, <laughs> and there was a time right after some some real rough stuff happened to me, and I stopped caring about living anymore, and so hygiene kind of went out the window. And I'm a big guy, and hygiene can go out the window for no more than three hours before. <laughs> Before, before I really start smelling like dropsy. <laughs> I had a boss come up to me, and he is one of the greatest men that I have met and worked for. And he sat me down and he went, I get it. I know stuff's rough, but you're at work and it's getting bad. 
And I go, okay. He goes, we smell you from multiple desks away. <laughs> he goes, if it's a money issue, you let me know. I'll pay for whatever I have to. We'll set you up with whatever you need to get. He goes, if it's something beyond that where it just doesn't feel like it's worth it, we can talk about that too. And I go, oh, I didn't know it was a problem. He goes, when was the last time you showered? I was like, probably two days ago. He goes, when was the last time you did your laundry? I was like, maybe a week or two. And he goes, okay. He goes, rough stuff? And I'm like, yeah, just doesn't feel like it has a point. And he goes, okay. It does because... (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm making light of this, but he goes, it does because you matter. He goes, like, you don't have to be in this place where nothing matters. He goes, it's okay. It's okay to feel, like, rough. But this is one of the easiest things you can flip around to go... I'm taking a stand on this and it's got to matter because tomorrow matters and I'm going to be here. And it was one of the most impactful conversations I've ever had. And I was in tears and went home and did all my laundry and like cleaned up my apartment, showered up all this different stuff and like fixed it immediately. And he had the ability to just break me as a human being and just go, dude, you're fat and smell terrible. Like you got to get out of here, like fix this now. But he went, there's probably some rough stuff going behind this. So like the not the non funny answer to the ridiculous funniness is there's a chance that there's something behind it. And it's okay to ask uh, if you're close enough. And if you're mom and dad, it's okay to have that conversation. Maybe dad better to have that conversation, to be honest, just dad to son kind of deal. Uh, if it's not that and your kid's just lazy which is very possible because not everything is trauma, right? Like, we know that. Uh, that's, a, that's a much more pointed conversation of like, hey, bro, you smell like two feet that have been dipped in a hobo's mouth. And it's, <laughs> it's rough. And we need you to fix this now. Do we, I mean, do we have a sense for how old this kid is? Like, Seems like a teenager. My, maybe Does this seem like teen? normal teen stink? Uh, I, I I don't know. I hear she said that the son was mostly raised by her ex-husband, so maybe she missed like the transition where the kid don't smell that he stinks real bad, like his nose don't take it in right. Right. And then it takes about like six, seven months, and they're like, oh, nightly. <laughs> yeah. This is horrible. No, no, no one told me yeah. I smell like this. Yeah, nobody knows about their own kombucha brewing. <laughs> no, until they run in until- one day from school and go... I stink so bad, I gotta take a shower. And it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, whoa. Are you, are you creating your own vinegar on your person? Please stop what you're doing. I see the SCOBY. Get out of here. I, here's the thing it, it only wraps up into a slightly bigger conversation because this is gonna sound bad, but like, I, I am so worried that we are raising an entire generation of soft people. Yeah. Like people that have zero grit or like zero ability to take in. Anything that might possibly hurt your feelings. Like, there are things that should affect you. And, like, you want to call everything hurt your feelings. But sometimes they're just realizations, right? They're revelatos. Someone has said, hey, man, you smell like the hobo feet or whatever. You know, and you're like, well, dang. (laughs) I'm glad someone told me. Now, do I expect a 14-year-old to have self-realization and go... Well, that was really someone bringing some light into my life and shedding some truth on an otherwise awkward situation. No, they're going to be like, whatever, I don't stink. And then they'll go up to the room and go, oh, man, yeah, maybe yep. maybe I do have a bit of a funk to me. I should do something, right? Like, so, like, ah, I, I'm just so worried that parents are so careful not to hurt their kids' feelings where, like, almost every positive change in my life has started with my feelings being hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, where someone was loved me enough to say a true thing, like, hey, man... You're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> you like, know, 
Wait, we had I had this conversation about uh, with some kids or whatever. They're like, "Hey, I want to do this act at the at the the thing or at school or whatever." And I'm like, uh, "Listen, you're not good at it." They're like, "Well, yeah, I thought it was really unfair. They're not even going to let me." And I'm like, "They're doing you a favor, right? Like you're going to embarrass yourself. You're not good." I said, "You practice at all?" No, I'm pretty good. I'm like, "Ugh, okay, you didn't practice, and you wanted to show up and embarrass yourself. You should be. You should feel lucky that you have people that love you enough to say no. You're not going to do this." That's why American Idol has outtakes. That's exactly right. I, I remember watching American Idol and have they've sending their kid up in there and they're total like ah, like warbling and stuff, and you're like. Who are your parents? Right? Why don't you just say, "Look, John, you you're terrible, dude. You got to drop this or we got to get you some lessons." Like we're not saying you're a bad human being, but you are a horrible singer. Horrible. Here's here's the flip side to my impassioned like sometimes people have rough goes at things story. I went to the Philippines years ago for work and I flew from Minneapolis to Tokyo. It was the longest flight I'd ever been on, and I'm horrified of flights. I get such bad anxiety. It's probably sweating up a storm the whole time, and I did not stand up from my seat once in like a 13-hour flight. It was rough. I got to the Tokyo airport, and I ended up in a food court line, and I owe a big debt to a French woman because she was standing behind me, and I turned around and saw her visibly walk away from me in disgust because <laughs> <laughs> I smelled I smelled like a like a buttermilk <laughs> experiment. Like it, was, it was rough. And I immediately got out of that line and I ran straight to the bathroom with my carry on bag and I threw away the shorts that I had been wearing. <laughs> KFC moist toilet, book of Eli bath real quick, <laughs> as quickly as I could, deodorized every bit I could, and, and went back into the world and went, I, I can never make this mistake again. <laughs> I didn't know what I had done, but, but I had done something wrong to this European family. <laughs> and so... There were there were times when I needed a mic that told me everything was going to be okay and it mattered for me to exist tomorrow so I should act that way. And there are times that you've got a European lady that's like this fat American man <laughs> is the most affronting thing that's ever happened to me. Whatever this is, I mean, has she's to stop. from she's from Paris. She knows <laughs> she knows what what cheese can smell like. Like it's rough living. And I've now put this on the internet and into the world because I'm married and I don't have to impress anyone anymore. <laughs> But I now am much better in my hygiene, and I'm thankful for those two situations, for Mike and French Lady. Yeah. She's going she's gonna to hear this story. And she's I hope gonna, so. She's to point it out to people around her and say, yes, yeah, they stink. <laughs> Literally, I, I have never, I've never wanted to jump out of an airplane more in my life than when I turned around and I saw that I had visibly disgusted a, a, a European woman. Who was running away from me? Well, it's a good thing you didn't have to get like uh, it didn't occur to you on the plane because then you'd feel real guilty for the have to look at the two people who sat around you. Hey, man, you want to know the best part of being a biggin? Uh huh. Nobody sits around you. Right on. Two seats. Two seats. <laughs> two seats. Dos, <laughs> as they would say it in Espanol. <laughs> two seats. There was a guy sitting one seat away from me, and he looked at me real angry when I pulled when I when I pulled up, and uh, then I went, no, 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 don't worry. Both those seats are mine. Spread your legs. <laughs> Have a he, great time. He was really excited. <laughs> okay. So our advice really is you got to tell them. Yeah, you got to tell them. Yeah. yeah. Break okay. their heart.
Segular says, uh, tell your adult son that you have noticed his body odor, that is unpleasant, and that you are concerned about it. You didn't mention how old he is or whether he has a doctor or a dentist, but everyone should get an annual physical and a semi-annual dental wellness check. Okay. What? I don't know why you have to talk like a pamphlet all the time. <laughs> Hello, son, that I've known since birth. Do you In have six months, did you know your dentist could tell you? Semi-annual you... wellness checks? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah here's... Did you know your teeth have rotted to look like popcorn? <laughs> that, that semi-annual, that, that twice-a-year dentist visit will mean the man's got clean breath two times a year. Yeah, right. This is not the right solution Listen, to the problem. Jack the Pumpkin King. If, <laughs> if every year for Christmas and your birthday and, like, President's Day, you get a toothbrush, toothpaste, and deodorant, you should learn what's happening. Yeah. Okay, uh, although you say your son's problem isn't a medical issue, there are any number of serious ailments that can cause body odor and bad breath. If he checks out medically and all he really needs is to shower and brush his teeth on a more regular basis, tell him point blank. And while you're at it, tell him his social and work lives could be negatively impacted if he doesn't clean up his act. This is what mothers do. Okay. So start now. So they, they, I mean, they make websites where you can like um, schedule text messages. Okay, so here's what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to create a text message that says... Scrub them yellows, dirty fella. <laughs> and then you're going to schedule it to be send every morning at 7.15. Scrub them yellows, dirty fella. <laughs> Until this goes away. Uh, we should go give that to Tattoo Man. Yeah. I bet he'd love to get that on his other thigh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. Ready? Yep. You're live from the past. Uh, My local area TV meteorologists and reporters <laughs> have a terrible habit of calling rainy weather, quotes, miserable. <laughs> Cloudy weather, quotes, gloomy, and any other non-sunny day, quotes, dreary. With so many horrible events in the news on a daily basis, reporting the weather this way seems irresponsible and reckless. For some emotionally vulnerable members of our community, these negative words could be dangerous. Weather is weather. When we were kids, my friends and I would play outside in the rain, and none of us ever thought of it as gloomy, dreary, or miserable. Using such a powerful medium as television in this way could have a negative impact on people who are already in a dark place. Mike says to himself, I think we're raising people without any grit. <laughs> Soft folk, he might, you might say. Wow. Like this guy. Don't tell them the weather's gloomy. <laughs> They're like, man, I was having them. such a great day. And then Ed Wilson said, hey, man, it's dreary out. And I went, dang. Dang. <laughs> sure is, Ed. Sure is. He's I haven't like, even gone outside, and I know that. And I walked past the TV and go, what a powerful medium. <laughs> it has turned my frown to be the same. <laughs> When's no, the last time you watched the weather on TV? That's true. Yeah. I, Whenever yeah. I want to know the weather, I Google, what's the weather? Or I ask Alexa. Yeah. And you know what Alexa does today? It's gloomy. No. <laughs> I don't. Okay, the root of the problem. The root of the problem is, is like, are we going to tell the news who's just trying to help? They're like, if someone said, let's say they didn't want to say, hey, it's raining and chilly out. They'd be like, hey, man, it's, it's kind of gloomy out there. I'd be like, all right, well, that sets the tone. I know it's pretty gray-skied, and it's probably drizzling a little bit. No problem, right? I'm ready for the day. Right, and instead of taking this descriptive tone and adding its negative connotation to it, uh, that is the meteorologist is just simply trying to convey in a quicker fashion. Here's what you can expect. Right, they don't stop at it's been gloomy and then move on. Yeah, they go, ooh, it's a bit of a gloomy one out there. It looks like we're going to have a 38 percent chance chance precipitation. Blah blah blah. It's like, yeah, thanks, cool. I'm going to move on. Yeah, this is not the root of the problem. The root of the problem is 
this person's inability to allow people to play her like a fiddle. People who don't even want to play the fiddle. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I can't play let's say let's say I turn on the TV and they say, I love the rain. I think it's great. And the, and the meteorologist <laughs> goes, hey, it's raining outside. And I go, well, I love that, but hot damn, now I really hate it and I'm disappointed. <laughs> like, w- they do not have the permission to tell me what I think about it. It's not, it's yeah. not even remotely a possibility that I would change what I think because the guy on TV described the rain <laughs> as gloomy. It's raining and you should be upset. Right. Nor, is the, nor is the meteorologist on TV advocating for such a thing. And so you're allowing people to play you like a fiddle who don't even want to play the fiddle. That's yeah. the root. You're imagining you're you're imagining a mustache twisting. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. Right? Snidely whiplash on the weather. That's right. Instead of just someone delivering a thing, you're assuming that they're in the background going, "Well, this ought to keep the emotionally vulnerable down." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and the take, sheeple will listen. And like if this if if let's say the thing that you thought was happening was actually happening, like this added to someone it is it is not the relevant part if if your day of which you, if you got a set of rough circumstances of which you add this on you go oh great it's just in a long line of such and such i will tell you that it is of no consequence whether it was there or not the person was this is not the this is not the tipper this is not the thing that the straw that breaks the camel's back it it may just be uh, a uh, magnifying glass or something on someone who's already feeling that way but it's not causing harm yeah, it's right. just not. It's not true. And and how would you feel if they shined it the other way? They're like, look, it's raining, it's sleeting, it's slightly below freezing, and instead of going, it's going to be a miserable drive out there. You're like, should be the best drive of your life. I'd pedal the metal. Yeah, I mean, I'd tear it up all the way to the, all the way to the gas station. <laughs> yeah, what, what, like the person who's susceptible to this would have the uh, the the opposite reaction would go like. The meteorologist is feeding me these lies. Everybody knows this is full of disaster and woe. Yeah, you promised me it was going to be glorious. <laughs> yeah, and now it's raining. Empathize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know if there's anything we can do to help you, friend. Like you need to change the way you're looking at life. The meteorologist, his job is not to is not to pander to whatever thing that you think. Because like everybody feels differently about it. You feel just as strongly on one side, and the other guys over there is like, I love it when they tell me it's gloomy. At least I know the deal, right? You know, and so mm-hmm. like he's going to complain. And, and and I don't know. You, I, I don't know what to say. Just, I think this person is the person that gets affected by this, and they're not worried about other people. I think they're just sick of hearing gloominess. Okay, so this is the t- this is the 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 tail wagging the dog, right? Like this is the complete explanation of raising people with no grit. Because instead of going, man, I feel like I'm adversely affected by the words they're using on the weather. I bet it's them. They're to blame for this. Instead yeah. of going, you know, I might be seeing the world a little bit one sided. I might be taking this in wrong. Maybe it's me who's wrong. And instead, you immediately go, you know who's, got, who's, who's done screwing the world up? The meteorologist. How dare they? It's not my fault they took in the world incorrectly. What a ridiculous thought process. Like, I, I don't know how you could walk through every day feeling so justified in your life. And I, actually, I was just talking to my wife about this the other day. We were talking about something that's fairly important, actually. And she's like, you know, you think we should say something, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, woman, I've been wrong so many times in my life that, like, I have to sit on a thing for, like, three, four days. Because like I'm so used to being incorrect that I will go, oh man, I should probably wait. Because by about three, three or four days in, I'm like, okay, now I understand. I was wrong, it turns out. And so like now we're gonna go this different route. But like that's a it's a dose of humility that you're like, no, no, I'm definitely gonna I'm taking this in wrong. Yep. I was gonna act poorly. I'm glad I sat on this. But this is not their thought. There's not one thought in their head that goes, you know, this could be me. They're like, it's gotta be it's everybody else. Everybody else is to blame for this. Yeah. No other advice. What's secular got to say? Okay. Secular says, thank you for speaking up. 
but you are addressing your comments to the wrong person. Mm. They should be directed to the manager of your local station. Yes. Oh, Call the supervisor. Oh <laughs> we had agreed with them for three seconds. While some weather forecasters may speak off the cuff, others usually read from scripts. Oh, a little behind the scenes from Secular. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a teleprompter? So, whoever is preparing the weather forecaster's monologue made to be advised to use different adject- adjectives. Yeah, the evil is in that magic box. Yeah, it's not the it's not the smiley teeth. It's the guy writing the blurb. <laughs> That's the dude to blame. Come on, Chet, you betcha. Tell him it's going to be miserable. <laughs> Various Lothario in the back of, of the newsroom is like, it's all gloomy. It's, it's all death. Seriously, like Wario's <laughs> working there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gloomy. Just wants the meteorologist to be like, yeah, it's going to be gloomy out there. It's heaven. It's all heaven. Everything is smoke. It's vapor. It means nothing. Okay. Feel the fog. <laughs> Here's, here's what you're going to do. You're going to pray for whatever poor station manager is going to get this phone call this week. Poor guy. Right. That guy's trying to raise a wife and kids. He's trying to p- contribute positively to the world, keep good classic news on the air. And some lady's calling him like, I don't like the gloomy I words. I just can't imagine, right? These dudes have been up all night following changing stuff in Iran, right. threats from China, all kinds of civil unrest. And then whatever's like, hey, man, you got to stop using gloomy when describing yeah. rain. <laughs> I mean, do you also spit on the grave of Burt Bacharach? <laughs> like, what are your problems in the world? <laughs> You were listening to Life from the Path. When you fall in love. Last week, speaking of news, yeah. Last week I was sitting at lunch and uh, lunch break in the cafeteria at work, and uh, there, there was a news story on about this this uh, dude had been captured and Ooh. held hostage for six years, uh-huh. and he was finally getting out. They they didn't pay a ransom. They, it was uh, he was from the U.S. and he was captured and when he went over to Africa. Yeah, and they're letting him go. They just gave up on it. They gave, I guess so. <laughs> and at the end of this news story, the the newscaster says something like, "I bet he was just having the, the best day at that." Speaking of good days, we're having some fifties no! next week. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my mind in the middle of that break this room. This is very comparable. It's forty-eight weather today. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know what really reminds me of being released from being a prisoner of war for six years? Six years! Oh boy, is it going to be nice out today. By the way, we've had clouds for days, but they're clearing up today, everyone. It wasn't even that nice, though. It was like literally 50 degrees. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you, just, did you just compare my six years of being a prisoner of war to you getting above 42? What is wrong with you? You think it's a nice day. Just wait till it's 2 o'clock. Yeah. I have 75. Thanks for hanging out with us this week. We really do appreciate it. If you have any feedback for the show, hit us okay. up at the Life in the Path complaint line, 515-517-0085. Call or text. We would love to hear from you uh, if you have any comments on the program. And uh, Check out our shorts and reels. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. <laughs> on, the, weird... on the social. <laughs> And the and the, the we, are, we are not going fishing anytime soon. That's not what we're the saying. The short form video. Best, in, best. Oh wow. Best in the biz, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and to our digital media desk, <laughs> Uncle Mike. <laughs> Have you heard of the internet? <laughs> you should, we're there. You should download CC Cleaner <laughs> and run it. And when the advertisement shows up, you should agree. <laughs> you should always upgrade. <laughs> this, uh, with this week's Instagram. Cracker, <laughs> Happy Mike. 
Check us out on the MySpace. <laughs> Internet tips from Mike. Have you installed a firewall recently? <laughs> I believe it's called BaseSpace nowadays. <laughs> All right. Thanks for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. 515-517-0085. Let's see. I'm at Main Nathaniel. We're going to head to the come and go. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. <laughs>